Welcome back to the Max Effort Kitchen Podcast. We got a great segment for you. It's called The Athlete and the Chef. So sit back, relax, and let's go. All right, welcome back to Max Effort Kitchen. I'm Matt. This is Cornell. We are your hosts today. And I did press live this time, so that's that's working out all right. Nice. How you doing? Good. I was pretty busy weekend. Uh, yeah. Started to wind down. My son has a grip load of homework. Normally, we go to 24-hour fitness on Sundays, but I was like, I can tell what's happening. <laughs> yeah, yep. a bunch of hot tub, cold bath contrasts. I put on some sweat, so I was just kind of getting ready. Not ready for bed, but putting on the clothes that I would probably wear to bed, knowing right. that we were going to be doing this in about an hour and 15 minutes. And then he walks into my room. He's like, we go to the gym now. I need a break from that. <laughs> and I'm like, we have to be back in one hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, my weekend was uh, just kind of kind of weird. But, uh, you know, Friday didn't have the best session, and that was okay. Um, I was able to kind of walk away from that without causing a bunch of damage <laughs> and anybody who knows what I'm talking about. Like, it's just like, you know, I'm pretty deep into this, uh, this cycle four weeks out and it's getting heavy. It's getting, there's still some good volume in there. And, uh, it was a big day on Friday. It was a big day. Um, I attempted everything. I only missed my last two, uh, two sets. And, um, and then uh, took yesterday off, uh, and then took today to. Here's the thing I've been doing. Okay, I'll, let me back up a little bit here. Something I've been doing with my accessory work, and I was, uh, I was so excited on our team. Uh, you know, the the strength take meeting that we had because that was like my goal to like do do my accessories, right? Yep. Um, <clears throat> and so I devised this plan. I have I have a whiteboard, and it's cut into four squares. And one square is my daily, my daily uh, program. So I write down uh, the three big lifts, you know, whatever the snatch variation is, whatever the clean and jerk variation is, and then, uh, you know, the squats. And then on the, the other square to the left of it is where I put the accessories that I don't get to. So like, say I have like heavy, uh, clean, clean poles and one arm, like sitting dumbbell press, uh, and stuff like that. And so I'll write that in, I'll write all those in there. And if I get to them in the session, I'll just wipe them off. Right. But if I don't, they move to the next day. And then if I don't get to them the next day, they move to the next day. And then come Sunday, I look at that box and I'm like, okay, what have I not done yet? And <laughs> this week <laughs> it was pretty full. <laughs> so, uh, I had clean pulls. I had, uh, I had some, uh, pausing back squats um, I had seated press, uh, and then one arm, uh, rows and, uh, it actually turned out to be a really good workout, but you know what? I finished the week. Um, I, I look at Sunday as kind of the end of my week. Um, and so I finished the week with getting all my accessories done and that's been pretty consistent, uh, with the past three weeks. And I, you know, I've never been a big, uh, not believer. I just have never done them. And it's probably for convenience, sure. but I'm seeing a huge benefit. And I don't know if it's actually correlated, but
but there's something going on with my snatch lockout. Like it's crisp. And I, you know, you know, Damon even said something last time we were lifting. He was like, dude, usually you have a little wobbly up there. And I know that. Um, and he's, he's like, I haven't seen, I haven't seen your wobbly. It's not there. And I could feel it just like what bam. And just like locking and arms straight. And so I'm like, okay, maybe all these coaches out here that talk about doing your damn accessories <laughs> actually are, are, are being real. So, and not just messing with us anyways, I thought I'd tell that, but yeah, no, I think, um, weekend's been interesting. Let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah. I'm getting a text from your lovely wife that said it's not live on YouTube. Oh, well, fantastic. I'll fix that. Um, <laughs> thank you. That's funny that she texts you too. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> we'll get back to the show. Uh, I, um, I don't know, man. It's, it was, uh, it's, it's been a different weekend and I think that I'm just starting to feel you know, whatever the past 12 weeks, just right on my shoulders and nice. I'm getting, yeah, I'm, I told Alana, I said, I'm getting a little bit of nerves. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it and, uh, it's just kind of what it is. So I don't know. It's interesting. I'm not in any form of a peaking phase that yeah. you're about to, about to be. Yeah. But one of the things that we talked about, just little things that I've written down, like kind of how I'm feeling how I feel training's going and that type of a thing. And <clears throat> so right now I feel like I'm treading water and it's like the meat I'm going to do is still like eight weeks away. Okay. No, 12, it's like 12 weeks away. Okay. And if you know what you're doing with programming, it's, it's not necessarily, it's not a time to go heavy. Okay. It's time to tread water to make sure everything's functioning properly and not get hurt. Uh, yeah. But one of the things that I know with treading water is that's like the endurance part. That's the, you're building that base. And right. I think that you've been in that treading water building base phase for some time. And now you're starting yeah. to, it's starting to pay off. Yeah. You know, I think about it and like, uh, I started what I started with strength Inc last June and it was like, okay, well, let's just run a couple cycles with them. And, you know, maybe in the fall I'll do a meet and, that's kind of what I did and it didn't really line up with what the the team was doing. Um, and so there was kind of like this, like, Oh, well let's, let's put you on the side over here and I'll just, you know, throw some other programming at you to get you ready for this local competition you did or you're going to do. And there wasn't anything like super specific about it and that's fine. Um, then I ended up kind of like having a small injury and that was weird. Um, and then after that, after that injury healed, um, I had a little bit of fun. So December was like, I'm going to do the program, but I'm going to have a lot of fun with it and not be so serious. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then January hit and it was like game time because I know what's coming. And that's when the, the cycle started. And, uh, but just all of that leading up from June has really, uh, really made me appreciate a lot of different things within, you know, the, the snatch and clean and jerk. And just appreciate that, appreciate weightlifting, appreciate uh, different perspectives, appreciate um, the ability to be able to uh, lift five days a week, you know, and what that actually does. 
and how that really takes a toll on your body. And what, you know, man, you know me, I, I've done a, I've done a handful. I average about two to three meets a year. Mm-hmm. And I just, this is probably the first time that I've ever felt like really, really like specific in the cycle leading up to a meet. And it's, uh, it's, it's weirdly, it's kind of, kind of emotional to think about because I've like, I've been in the sport for like six years and I'm just now feeling it. You know, I'm just now getting that, like, uh, that, that hurt, that, that sore, that, that like, okay, I'm there now let's get me, let's, let's start tapering. Damn it. (laughs) Um, and I'm starting to feel technique get there. It's like, you know how we've talked about this, uh, the repetition it's, you know, it's not about how well you can do the snatch. It's about how many times you can do the snatch to do it well. And (laughs) the amount of times that I've snatched over the past almost year is incredible and i feel it it's cool i don't know yeah no so my little bit two cents of advice this is just what i've learned from lifting and my experience doesn't matter how good you feel yeah keep keep the ego down yeah keep the at the end of the day you've got three attempts at the snatch and three attempts at the clean jerk yeah don't walk into it with too much confidence. And if I, I've always, I've learned by doing terrible in meets that I walked into just going, I'm going to crush this. I'm going to destroy this. Right. And then I get humbled real quick. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, the best meets that I've done. I mean, the best meet that I did, I had that mindset the whole time. Everyone's like, you're going to do so good. I'm like, we'll see. We'll find out. Yeah, I don't know how it's gonna go. I, yeah. I know what I'd like to do, but yep, it like I've said before, it could be the week before, it could be the week after. Yeah, and if you keep that mindset, I think it'll actually keep you a lot more level-headed on game day. And and uh, that's really good advice, by the way. So thanks for saying that. Uh, you know, it, it's I've always walked into these meets thinking I am. Uh, I've, I've walked into every meet just thinking like, I'm not, you know, this is such a weird thing to say, but, uh, to walk into a meet being like, oh, I'm probably not going to win this. I'm probably not going to win this. Um, and, and I don't know if that's the training leaded up to it. I don't know if that's just my insecurities. I don't know what it is. Right. Um, but what I've never done, um, is walk into a meet being like, I'm going to F and slay this. Right. Like I've never, <laughs> yeah. never happened. And I think, um, I, I'm not walking into this one like that at all. I'm walking into this uh, with a little bit, just just like two percent more confidence than I usually do. Sure. And but I'm still, dude. What four weeks out? I have nerves mm-hmm. talking about it. I have. I'm f- I'm fucking nervous. And I'm like, I want to go out there and I want to perform and I would love to hit sit certain numbers. But that the at the baseline, I want to make my my uh my openers i i want to hit some fun lifts and i just want to total and that's it you know i want to go out there total have fun and let the chips fall where they do and if it means i do good great if it means i don't even medal okay i know where i need to work right sure. like um and that's what that's that's the mentality that i have right now no i think that's great i think that the nerves are there because 
like you, you nobody knows how it's going to go. Yeah. Like, you can have the perfect cycle and do the worst you've ever done. You can have the worst cycle and do the best you've ever done. Exactly. Um, walking into it, not acting like you're going to just destroy everybody, have that good attitude, have that humility in there. Yeah. I think that the, the best lifters and the, the best lifters and the best competitors are the ones who they don't have that big ego walking in, just telling everyone they're going to win and yeah. like that type of a thing. Yeah. And then when you go in there, then it's like, you know what you've done to, to get there, you know, the work you've put in and now it's your time to, it's, it's your time to show people what you've done, but you're not out there preaching and uh, telling people like, a fortune like telling whatever predicting what you're going to do yeah yeah i you know it's so hard to predict uh being this young in the sport i think maybe if i'm 10 12 13 years you know i could probably be like okay i kind of have a better idea but i still look at myself as a rookie um and and what you just said is a really good segue into something uh the very first thing i read <laughs> In this American weightlifting book, okay, I'm going to read. I'm just going to read the quote. Uh, it's success in weightlifting isn't measured by the size of the mark we left on the sport, but by the size of the mark the sport left on us. And I, so I read that. I ordered this book off Amazon. You know, the Glenn Pendley American weightlifting book, and that was kind of like the first. Uh, I was going through scrolling and re reading the comments or whatever. And that was the first thing I saw, uh, I read on uh, this book. And so I was like, but when I did read it, it was absolutely like, ding, like light bulb moment, right? Yeah. And it's so, <laughs> it, the man was, the man is like, I, I can't even imagine. I wish, like, give me, give me a room. And, uh, you know, a couple hours a day and just let me talk to him because this quote really, um, it, it speaks to me. It speaks to everything we talk about. And it's just so like intelligent. Yeah, no, I've been deep diving, cramming with podcasts right now with him. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing. Like I've known a handful of people who lifted under Glenn for a, a decent amount of time. Yeah. And I've known these people, some of these people very well. I've seen many sides of these people that most people haven't seen. Right. And what I'm learning is what so many people think is the Penlay method is not the Penlay method. Penlay was such a good coach that he knew how to program and give people what they needed as a lifter. Mm -hmm. If they were someone who could, <clears throat> who could just follow a program that is tried and true and shown to work, he could just give it to them. But if it was boring, there's other people who can't handle that. So then he would have to just give them all kinds of ridiculous stuff just to keep their attention Right. And he knew what he was doing so well that it, it's his, it was his job to make the lifters as good as possible. Yeah. And there wasn't one blanket program that would do that. And that just some of the little things that I've, I was just very impressed with. 
Well, and that that leads into you know the first paragraph that I wrote or that I wrote. I I read, and at the end of the paragraph, it says, "You will never be done. Learn learning the lifts for life, like always." And he he says that a couple times in like the first you know ten pages that I twenty pages that I've read. He talks about the idea and and the people that 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 have uh, wrote things about him um, talked about this like consistently learning. It doesn't matter how far you've made it in the sport. It doesn't matter um, how young or old you are in the sport. Um, you're always going to be learning the lifts. You're always going to be learning different different technique. Your body changes. Your technique changes. You, the way your body moves, your technique changes. Like. It is a lifelong process, and that's what I love about it because I feel that it is it is so um, connected with uh, the way I feel about food, and I've always felt about food, which is I will always be a, a student when it comes to the kitchen, always. And that's why I think that this sport is so interesting to me and intriguing because I'll always be learning, and I'll always be like uh, – I'll never perfect it because who, you know, who, who the hell is going to perfect something like this? It's just, it's really, it's really something that, that, uh, that fascinates me. And I love it. I love it about it. Yeah, no, I think that even when you get to the point where there's no more weight you can lift, yeah, then you can shift over to how do I teach this? Yep. How do I get somebody else? Over? <sighs> how do I, what worked good for me? What didn't work good for me? Will yeah. this work good for you or not? Or yeah. how can I, how can I modify or manipulate what worked for me to work for you? Yeah. And yeah, that's a good, that's really good. And then like, yeah. I, and you, your point to your point, this, um, it, it seems like it's a, it's a very untapped, uh, world. It's a very small, small community smallish for a, for a professional sport, smallish, I mean, professional, <laughs> let's just say for a sport. Um, it's, it's smallish, you know, it's in comparison. We talked about that last time about how, you know, we just, it doesn't get the publicity that, that, uh, we want it to. <laughs> um, but, uh, I feel like it's a pretty open sport. And so you can do things like that. You can like, man, Joe Beck is having dude has the holds like, six to seven level one courses a year in Portland. <laughs> and I'm like, and I, and I'm always, you know, always intrigued. And like, you know, I think that uh, that's probably baseline stuff. Like you got, you know, go get your level one, learn how l get that certification and then, you know, get a book like this <laughs> and yeah. then start, and then start reading it or, or find a technique or, you know, and then get an athlete. Like there's just, or, build a freaking brand, <laughs> have a podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like do like, it's just, it's such a cool thing. And um, I think we're very fortunate to be able to have weightlifting to do this. And so a lot of the times when I start hearing people complaining about how hard it is, I'm just like, man, take a step back, just take a step back and look at what you have and look at the ability that you have to be able to do something like this. Um, it's, it's something to be fortunate and, and to be thankful for. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's, that's great. 
I'm getting too deep tonight. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's one of those days. But yeah, dude. Um, you want me to want me to read this uh, this paragraph here? Sure. I have. Oh so yeah, I, you go. I, you I go. have this one. Okay. Oh, this is the other book. Ah, is that the <laughs> one I was supposed to order? That's all right. That's, okay. I, I have that one too, but I don't have it out here. Well, it's funny because when we talked about it, I was like, okay, I know which one this is. And then I opened it up and I'm like, well, this is just teaching me programming and the lifts. <laughs> so, um, yeah. For, okay. for people who don't know, there's two books. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the one you got is the one that Glenn worked with a ghostwriter for years to put together. Okay. Okay. So it's a whole lot of phone calls and conversations that he had with a ghostwriter who basically mm -hmm. wrote the book, would read it to him. He would say, no, I don't like this part. Let's change this. This is more what I meant. Okay. I don't know what exactly a ghostwriter does, but I'm assuming that they kind of basically write it. Then they go, they get the notes, they put it together. They come up with a idea of what they were trying to be, was trying to be said. Okay. And then they go back and forth and it's meetings like that. Yeah. So that's how the one yours was, where it was very, it was years of work together with the writer. Yeah. Um, but it, it was his book, but it just wasn't like actually, actually him by him. Yeah. And I, I can see that in here. I mean, that's, and there's some quotes and there's like, yeah. And, and I read like the first 20 pages is the, probably the three or one of them, one of the ghostwriters and then one of his, two of his athletes that were yeah. writing to him. So, so yeah. the book I have in front of me was written by uh, Seb Ostrovich. Ah, from damn so I remember you saying that. Okay. That's all right. Yeah. So this book is based on everything he learned from Glenn and everything he knew about the Penlay, Penlay's the quote unquote Penlay method and okay. the way Glenn believed stuff and wanted stuff written down. Yeah. And some of the stuff that was really cool with this book is Sebastian was talking about, there was stuff that I wrote in that book under what Glenn wanted that I hundred percent disagree with, but it's not <laughs> my book and yeah. it's not my opinion. And it's I what Glenn that. believed. So I'm going to write down what Glenn believed, even if I think it's wrong. Yeah. And that's, that's cool. Uh, based on the, all of the, the stuff I've listened to for years and how much I've learned just through the podcast is Seb was basically like in contact with Glenn more than anyone else in Glenn's life. It sure does seem like it. Right. And he was the one who was actually publishing and running the Pendley wad. He was the one who would, he would get the stuff from Glenn, then he would put it all out there. He, mm -hmm. he was basically like, Glenn's assistant. Yeah. So he learned more from Glenn at the end of his life than anybody else. And what he also got to learn because of not being involved in the beginning is he got to hear what Glenn said worked and what didn't work. Yeah. And the Penlay method, when it was the team at the end of his life, he said was completely different than what it was in the beginning when he like he said, he's always experimenting and he's always trying things out. Yeah. But the stuff that he was doing towards the end was what he fit. He found to be the best. Interesting. I really, I, I think, 
that's a really pivotal uh, perspective to have uh, because, you know, when you meet somebody in the beginning, you know, yeah, that's a good perspective too, but people, everything in life evolves, right? Yeah. Like I think about people uh, that I've met in my twenties and they would probably not even recognize me or know who I am at this point because mm -hmm. of how we've evolved. We, we, we evolve as people, we evolve as coaches, we evolve as athletes. And so to be able to be in, in Glenn's life at that time and to grasp all that knowledge and hear the trials and tribulations of everything he's gone through and uh, the, the, what, how he's changed his programming and how he's changed his outlook on lit deadlifts. Right. I mean, that's a big one. There's yeah. a big episode about that. And uh, it's just, it's really, it's like, it's almost having the advantage of saying hindsight 2020 before uh, you have to say it. Yeah. That's really cool. Some of the other stuff that I've just kind of put together in my brain yep. is you might know someone for a really long time, but if if there's a hierarchy of power in your relationship with that person, mm. you're only know you only know that version. You only know like if if let's say you took a class in high school, had a same teacher for four years. Do you mm -hmm. actually know that teacher, or do you just know that teacher as a teacher? Yeah, exactly. But, do you actually know what's going on in the background? Do you know what's going on in their life? Do you know what's going around on and so much of that stuff? Mm -hmm. Most likely not. Like I've, I've had people in my life where they were in a, a different hierarchy than I was. And then later on in life, stuff changed and I actually became their friends and where I actually, they were no longer in charge, like over me. Right. And it was like, this is not the person I thought I knew for, for years. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of look at Seb's relationship with Glenn was much more like he knew who he really was yeah. because Glenn was never really, yes, he was his coach, but how much, how good of a coach can an online coach really be? Right. Um, yeah. And he got to see all the sides of Glenn. And yeah, there they were a long distance relationship, but they talked daily. They wrote back and forth daily. They podcasted weekly. They really got to know each other in a, at a different level than someone who would be potentially like a coach athlete relationship. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's two uh, two different relationships, one hundred percent. And I think uh, you know when I when I started going down the route of starting from day one on weightlifting house and listening to those. Um, I, I started, oh, what was it? It was like two, 2019, mm -hmm. uh, the end of 19 start of 20. And I started listening to it and listening to it and listening to it. Um, and then I stopped for a little bit. Um, and I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take, take this time to, you know, grasp some other, sides of weightlifting some other perspectives and see and now now that we're i'm coming back to it um you know it's it's very clear to why uh people hold glenn at the at the um uh i don't know what i'm trying to say at the authority that they do because mm -hmm. of his his demeanor the way he talks and I, I talked about this on the polo the other day like the the difference in personalities between Glenn and, and Seb 
are <laughs> they're perfect, but they're polar opposites. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, you hear, you know, Seb is this kind of like I, I don't know if I may, and just from what I know of him and whatever, but like he's more more soft spoken, kind of like educated, a little a little, a, you know, a burst of, of you know can can just say things that are of a different different culture because he he is he lives across the pond. But Glenn was very like, this is how it is. This is how I've done it. And he's had, you know, all the, all the years and experience to, to back that up, but he was direct. Yeah. And he's just like, Nope. And I love it. You know what I love most about listening to those (laughs) is hearing him go off on the tangents of has nothing to do with football or nothing to do with, with weightlifting. When he starts talking about like the NFL or, or politics or his chickens, (laughs) It's like the best part of it. And so, uh, you know, I am not fortunate enough to ever met the man or, or anything like that. But, um, I think paying homage to him, like we are going to, uh, maybe not like fully this show, but like, as we move forward and I get the right book in front of me, (laughs) um, we will pay homage to, to what he's, he's done in the sport um, to the best of our knowledge. And like, you know, now I have this book, I'm going to get the other book. We're listening to the podcast and we're just gathering data and information about this man. You know, um, I like it. It's, it's, um, it's, it's respectful. It's, it's telling the story of somebody through the way he wanted his story to be told because we're using literature that is about him. Right. Yep. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, no, I, so I listened to everything originally live or mm. as close to live as possible. Nice. I think when I first started listening to the Weightlifting House podcast, it was probably, there was probably 20 shows that had been done prior to, like, that's when I found it. And okay. I listened to those 20 shows. I remember exactly where I was. I, it was, it was August. My house flooded. I was taking stuff out of my house, bringing stuff back into my house, repainting cabinets. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I just remember just best cranking, time to listen to podcasts. Through these podcasts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they were, they made a lot of sense back then. Now I listen to them. I had no idea what I was listening to back then. Like there's so much more knowledge and I know that I'm in a different place now. But right. I'm picking up on so much more stuff, and it makes it, it's just blowing my mind how smart he was. Yeah. And there, it wasn't the the mindset wasn't there's only one way. The mindset wasn't everything that's been fed to me by former athletes. Right. Like they don't even understand how his mind worked. They just have an idea of what was given to them because that's what they needed to hear. Correct. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing that a coach does, right? A coach um, takes an athlete and says, how do I get this specific athlete to do what I want them to do? Because each athlete is an individual, you know, I'm sure that I'm going to guess that the way Stephanie talks to me versus you is going to be widely different. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you are a, you know, yeah, we have a gap between us, and and that that totally makes sense. Um, but I think I think to your point, it it would be harder to learn the person, mm-hmm. and you you just pointed this out. So harder to learn the person based off of the the authority that they have, mm-hmm. 
and the fact that they are coaching, you know, 20 individuals and each individual is different. And so it's, you know, there, there's an aspect of, of weightlifting that you can sit there and say is, you know, widespread and is core functional. Um, but you're not teaching that you're, you're, you're getting the athlete you're, you're working based off of how they're lifting that bar off the floor to over their head. And that's going to be different from the other person. So to, to learn who, how a person is, um, in, I guess, and how they've evolved over time is it's a different perspective. You just, I, I, I know my football coaches really well. I don't, I don't know them. Yeah, <laughs> I, you do them as football coaches. Very correct. Well. Correct. I, if I went over to their house and ate dinner with them, yeah, it'd probably be fun, but I would be like, okay, I'm leaving at nine o'clock and I'm, I'm going, yeah. I don't want to stay, you know, like, um, I, so it's like, it's a whole different ballgame. And I think the way Seb approached it, and he talked to me about this way back in the day when um when he did your podcast. When he was on my podcast. And yeah. he uh he talked about that. He talked about, you know, that he was just this little like he's like, I was just this little kid that was like trying to, you know, reach out to my most idolized coach at the time. And he let me in his life. And that like was like, wow. You know, that that's at the time when I was talking to him, I didn't quite grasp the volume of what he was saying, but I, I, I understand a little bit more now and knowing that like, you know, Seb was, Seb was like, he was like, let me just put me in your pocket, yeah. <laughs> right? Just put me in your pocket and, and travel around with me daily. I want to know. And he did a good job at it, I think. Yeah. And part of the reason why I, like, I've, I haven't read fully either of the books i've read a lot of both of them yeah um, but the one thing that makes me really like the the one he wrote is glenn trusted him i feel more than anybody else when when he found out he had cancer he he made sure that seb had access to everything yeah. Like, you have all the passwords still, right? Yeah. I remember hearing yeah. that one. Yeah. Yeah. Been running it for a year. Yeah. <laughs> he made sure that he pre-programmed for like for months and made sure that he had it. He he yeah. gave he basically handed over his legacy to Seb. Yeah. And Which you can see it in in Seb and you and if you continue to listen to his podcast and you continue to see how Seb is progressing you know, I think I just listened to one the other day and it was closely after it must've been fairly close to after he passed. Cause it was him and Josh and they were talking about how much they missed him. And, and, uh, you know, Seb said something was like, you know, I think about Glenn a lot, but when the thought comes up, it's more of, um, I want him to see what I'm doing because it's what he taught me. Yeah. Like I want to, I want to know what he thinks about what I'm doing and how I'm progressing weightlifting house. And, uh, you know, it's a special place for someone to be. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So. It'll be, it's going to be a fun, uh, fun little, little experiment and like uh, knowledge of, of stuff that we're going to, you know, learn and, and throw out there. And, and, uh, you know, so I'm a, I'm a really bad, uh, like rewatcher. So like when I watch a, like a television program or like a series of something, I don't like to go back and rewatch it. I know a handful of people that love to just sit there and watch shows over and over and over. And I'm like, the excitement is gone for me. Um, but, 
uh, I started listening to some of the ones that I already listened to. I, I started that to, was it today? No, it was yesterday. And, uh, I, I'm not having that feeling. <laughs> I'm, I'm picking up on different nuances. I'm picking up on different stuff. So I think that we're going to really, uh, take a cool deep dive into this and it'll be fun. Yeah. I think part of the good part, at least for me is I didn't go back. There was, there's a handful of episodes that I did save a long time ago. I'm like, yeah, this would be a good one for when I don't have anything to listen to. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, I'm listening now to Uh-oh. 2024. Oh, see me. Yeah, I got you. Okay. It froze up there for a second there. Okay. <laughs> I'm, listen- I'm listening now in 2024 to stuff that I heard in 2018. Oh, wow. So it, it's been math amount of years. Yeah, math, <laughs> math I like that. Six plus years. <laughs> yeah. And kind of some of the hard part is I'm listening to stuff and I'm hearing the plan and I'm hearing the goals. And then I look at the date and it's like, October, it's it's like August 24th, 2018. And I'm like, he died a year and two weeks later. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just knowing so much of this, knowing the future and then kind of knowing the end of the story. But like, I want to, I want to re-see the, the, the journey. Yeah. I will say that one of my favorite, probably one of my favorite episodes, and I, I'm going to say this now, but I, I'd like to go back at the, uh, you know, when we kind of get towards finish of this and say, you know, see if that's still my favorite, but you know, it's the last episode that he's on. It's just so authentic and he's, <laughs> he's just acting like nothing's going on. You know, like, yeah. he's making sure that people have programming. He's making sure people are lifting. He's, it's just like, it's so authentic and it's really, it's really a fun one to listen to. Yeah. The one I'm on right now is like right when they're bringing up Addison Jones, his last oh, nice. athlete. Who, yep. Like one, he, he was potentially going to be one of his best athletes ever. Like if, if Glenn didn't pass, I think that Addison would have stuck around. And I think he could have potentially been one of his best. He was a oh, 102. I think he snatched low 70s, wow. 70, 73, 74. Wow. Uh, cleaned 205, clean and jerk 200, I believe. Yeah. Like I'd have to go back and see these numbers again. These are off of memory from years ago. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I remember watching Addison lift at I think it was University Nationals in Las Vegas, and I mm-hmm. was just blown away because I I knew who he was, and I knew that Glenn was his coach, and I knew Glenn wasn't there because of his sight, and I knew yeah. so much stuff. And then I got I got to meet him uh, at his uh, at the memorial. Oh, okay, so that was pretty cool. What, now, now does he not lift anymore? <sighs> I don't think so. He yeah. hasn't posted in years. Okay. And it I'm just kind of under the impression that he doesn't. He doesn't, yeah. Wow, that's that's a big one. Uh, those are those are big numbers right there and especially for a junior. Whew. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> we're at uh we're at 40 minutes. Uh I what do you got, Cornell? You got anything else? Yeah, my breakfast this morning. Yes. I like that. Good transition. All right. What you got? I saw a post and I sent it to my wife like a month ago. So then I literally went back and just scrolled back because I sent her a lot of memes. Yeah. And I I found it. 
and we got an air fryer for Christmas. Nice. And I kind of screwed up because I thought it was a pressure cooker and it, I, I forgot that there's a difference. And then my sister's like, yeah, they do both. I'm like, no, I got the $30 one, not the one that does both. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, everything, everything seasoning bagel, cut it in half. The okay. open side, put a nice thick layer of pesto on that. Nice. Put that down on parchment paper, down into the air fryer. Okay. Then drop an egg into the, the bagel butt. Yeah, bagel, the bagel butthole. The bagel butthole, like it. <laughs> then I took some of that Costco uh, sandwich ham that's like squares. Yeah, the square stuff. And then oh I yeah, did, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the thin slices. I yep. cut that into a bunch of little like small squares. Okay. Put that underneath and on top of a big thick slice of Havarti cheese. Uh, put it in there for about six minutes. It was freaking amazing. That sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, that that sounds really good. Did you take any pictures of it? No, but I'll probably do it in a couple more yeah, times this week. And then once <laughs> nice. I took it out, I took some fresh basil yeah. and some like uh, the flaky salt that you can like crumble in your hands and then yep. some pepper on top. Nice. Dude, that sounds great. And uh, just a solid breakfast. Like, cause, yeah. And that's something you can like take on the go. And it's, that's fantastic. Um, so I, I got a little inspired. Uh, I got, I don't kind of inspired. I'm, I'm in a weird rut with creativity with food right now. And so I said, you know, I'm going to go to the store and just see what I can find. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm craving fish. So, uh, I got a hot take here. <laughs> hot, my hot take is, is just stop buying wild caught salmon. Cause God, dude, I'm so sick of the bones, man. go buy that farm stuff that the bones don't even appear anymore they (laughs) like because i i made this dish where i did this really you know it was it was uh 11 a pound so i bought two fillets um and i put this really nice sear and i got some uh you know my my nonstick pan uh threw a bunch of butter in there turned it you know turned it into brown butter so it was a little caramely smelling and I put, you know, face down, let it sear for like two minutes tops. It's hot, you know, it's real hot pan. Pull it off and I, I throw it in a 250 oven to just kind of let it come up to temp in the middle. Um, and then, you know, made some rice and grated some uh, fresh ginger over the rice as it was cooking. Uh, and then made a, a green curry coconut like sauce to go over top. I'm like, this sounds fantastic. <laughs> like, I'm really excited about it. Um, and I get it, and I the fillets look beautiful. Put over top of rice, put the sauce on top, and I'm I'm starting to eat. And I'm looking, I'm looking at my wife, and I'm like, she's got like 16 bones just lined up <laughs> on her plate. And I'm like, I haven't reached the bones yet. And I got to the bones and I'm like, this is so disappointing because who likes to sit there and like chew on it and like pull out? Oh, it's the worst. (laughs) I got good flavor. Um, I also, (laughs) so, so that's my hot take with food. Don't buy, go buy that farmed fish, baby. (laughs) I don't uh, think anybody eats enough of it for it really to matter. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. Totally. Um, so, but, uh, what I did something fun today, uh, right before as like, have you ever heard the term aperitif? Mm -mm. 
So what an aperitif is, is it's usually a drink of some sort. And you're, you're, they, they serve it during these big course dinners. And it's always the first thing you, uh, you drink. And it's always going to be something very sour. Sometimes it's vinegar. Sometimes it's citrus. Um, but what it does is it opens up the pores and uh, the saliva glands in your mouth. So it allows you to, you know, get hungry in a way. So I, I made an aperitif and I took, uh, I took some fresh ginger, um, you know, peeled the skin, threw it in the blender, uh, took uh, a jar or a can of crushed pineapple, threw it in the blender, blended it up, strained it. So I just got the juice, threw it in the freezer. Um, and then traditionally that's supposed to be served with a little bit of cayenne pepper on top and some lemon juice squeezed on top with a strawberry. But I didn't have all that stuff. So I just had the strawberry, put it in a shot glass and we shot that back before. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, like um, I used to have these in the morning and they're, they're better than coffee. I don't, there's something about that fresh ginger. And I'll tell, I'll tell you right now, I'm not like this big ginger fan guy, but like, um, I, it's just, it like, wow, it wakes you up. Um, I don't know. It's fun. Uh, I'll send you the recipe if you want to try it. <laughs> yeah. I've never had, I don't believe I've ever had fresh ginger. Oh, wow. The only ginger that I've ever had. And I absolutely love it is all the stuff that comes with sushi. Okay. So like, that, that's a pickled I, ginger. Okay. okay. Whenever I get, whenever I get sushi, if I get it from, there's a, a couple places like, at the, the bougier yeah. uh, grocery stores that have it where it's like made right in front of you. Mm -hmm. I'll always grab that little cup for like two bucks of the, the other ginger. And I just, I yeah. just pound that. <laughs> I'll tell you it, it's uh fresh ginger is a straight pain in the butt because okay. you got, it's like, it, it grows in these like weird finger formations. I've seen, I've seen it. Yeah. And so like you're, you're peeling it is just ridiculous. Um, especially when you have these giant man hands, no, <laughs> no, but peeling it is kind of ridiculous. Uh, so, um, if I, you're going to blend it and strain it. Do you have to peel it? No, that was what I was just about to say. You don't have to peel it if you're going to blend it and, and strain it. So, and, uh, because you just get a really fine, great strainer and just push it through that. So you don't even worry about it. Now, another fun thing about, uh, raw ginger, and then I'll stop, <laughs> but, uh, is that if you have a headache, go grab a thing of ginger and chew on it. It'll okay. take that headache away just like that. Nice. It's going to be spicy as shit, and it's going to make you feel <laughs> like you're going to be like, why am I doing this? But it, 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 it is like the natural headache medicine. So cool. It's a fun little fact. Um, cool, man. Good, Some good food talk there. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, all right. Well, everybody, get out there. Um, you know. Check this show out. Let us know if there's stuff about Pendley that you want to know about specifically. And, you know, we can make shows uh, specific to that. Check out Instagram. Cornell, thank you as always. Great show. And uh, talk to you later, buddy. Bye.